الله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله والد praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger <coughs> I'd like to begin this evening with our first lecture of uh, from the explanation Taysir al-Alam the explanation or sharh of Umdat al-Ahkam Masheikh Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman Ali Bassam Hafidhullah May Allah protect and preserve him uh, as we continue with the book of Salat Kitab al-Salat and this is the third level or the third section <coughs> or the third part of the book of Salat and the last part from this section of Taysir al-Alam uh, we are going to take some of the hadith not all of them as the remaining hadith are more than the hadith we have already taken in the first and second half of Kitab al-Salat the remaining hadith are more than what we have already taken together in the first two sections of Kitab al-Salat but what we are going to do is take the important chapters from Kitab al-Salat which include number one as-sahu sajda as-sahu yani the sajda or prostration that is made when there is a mistake in the salat to correct the salat and we are going to take those uh, specific or particular types of salat uh, that have yani special rules or regulations or a special manner of performance such as salatul witr salatul uh, Al-Musafir, the prayer of the traveling person, combining and shortening. Salat al-Eidain, the prayer for the two Eids. Salat al-Kusuf, the prayer of the eclipse. Salat al-Istisqa, the prayer for rain. Salat al-Khawf, the prayer, the fear prayer on the battlefield. And Salat al-Janazah, yani some of the hadith from Salat al-Janazah, the prayer for the, uh, for the funeral, funeral prayer. So this hadith will number approximately 20 some odd hadith and inshallah hopefully we should be able to cover them in the next two months, eight weeks or so, eight or ten weeks, I'm not sure exactly. It should take about eight weeks or nine weeks, bi-ibnillahi ta'ala. So tonight inshallah we have the chapter of Sajda As-Sahu Bab Sajda As-Sahu As-Sahu It means Al-Nisyan Forgetfulness And it is 
when someone leaves something unaware of it when they leave something without being conscious of it and there's no blame on the person who does so mistakenly who makes an error in the salat due to forgetfulness due to forgetfulness misyan and this sajda or sajda tame it is two prostrations sajda sahwa or sujood sahwa it is its purpose is to correct or to rectify the defect or the shortcomings in the salat the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said as the shaykh mentions here in a hadith the wording of the hadith as he mentions it here is عُفِيَ لِأُمَّتِي عَنَ الْخَطَعْ وَالْنِسْيَانِ تَعْنِي that my ummah or my followers have been pardoned for mistakes or forgetfulness and actually this wording of hadith is not authentic but the meaning is correct and there is authentic narrations such as that which is reported in the Sunnah of Ibn Majah and the Al-Imam Al-Tahawi's book Sharh Ma'ani Al-Athar and Al-Hakim and other scholars mentioned it by the wording إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَضَعَ عَنْ عُمَّتِي الْخَطَةِ وَالنِّسْيَانِ وَمَسْتَكْرُهُ عَلَيْهِ That verily Allah has removed the blame from my ummah for their khata mistakes that they made or their nisyan, their forgetfulness or mastakruhu alayhi that which they are compelled or forced to do yani Allah has pardoned the ummah of Muhammad for their mistakes for their forgetfulness and that which they are forced or compelled to do against their will we are forgiven we are pardoned by Allah from those things in this hadith has been mentioned by Shaykh al-Bani and Irwa al-Ghalil and he said that that hadith was declared to be authentic by Al-Hakim ibn Hibban al-Zahabi al-Nawawi al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani and Ahmed Shakir of the contemporary scholars of hadith this hadith is a proof to us that when we make a mistake we shouldn't feel guilty or shame it is natural for the human being to make errors or to forget and Allah has given us a way to correct our forgetfulness or our mistakes in the prayer and that is through sujood as-sahwa also the shaykh Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman al-Bassam Hafizullah said that even the Prophet himself made some mistakes during his lifetime and those mistakes that happened to him it was due to wisdom some wisdom some purpose that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intended through it from amongst the points of wisdom which we might understand could be of the objectives some of the objectives why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed that the Prophet would fall into some error or mistake not in the delivering of the message but in his action he made some mistake and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala corrected it and from amongst those reasons for such is that it is to make clear that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu that he is a human being he is human and humans make mistakes if not for that perhaps people 
as they have already done, raise him up to be divine or more than his status as a messenger of Allah sallallahu But he is, it was to show that he is human uh, and that he can make an error just as other human beings accept that Allah would not leave him in his error. Allah would not leave him in his error, but if he made any error, Allah would immediately correct it by revelation in order to protect his status of prophethood, in order to protect his status and his role as a prophet. So if he made any error, Allah would correct it by revelation so that the people would not follow that error. Also of the wisdom uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowing the Prophet to fall into some mistake in his actions and so that his errors and the manner of correcting them would be, a fo- would be a form or a source of legislation, a sharia. So that when the people fell into mistakes, they would know what to do. Otherwise, how will you know, know what to do except through the example of the Prophet And also of the reasons or the wisdom that the scholars mention is so that it would be a means of ease and comfort for his followers when they fell into mistake they wouldn't feel so bad when they know that even the Prophet of Allah also fell into mistake so they should not feel sad and they should not feel that there is a defect in their iman or a defect in their deen due to their forgetfulness or falling into error or mistake as human beings these are some of the purposes or the reasons why sujood al-sahwa has been uh, legislated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or why the Prophet fell into errors in order to clarify and make clear what the believers should do if they make any error in their prayer. As far as sujood al-sahwa, the prostrations for error or mistake or forgetfulness or unmindfulness in the prayer, the reasons or the causes for which one makes sujood al-sahwa are three. There are three primary causes and every uh, mistake or error in the salat falls under these three categories and the first of them is ziyadah that we add something to the salat that is not supposed to be in the salat something extra more than one what is required in the prayer and the second of them is naqs that we leave out something from the prayer that we perform the prayer shortening from it something that belongs to it not completing it and leaving something out and the third cause is a shek that the person is in doubt about something that they have done in the prayer or something that they have left out in the prayer they are unsure did I pray three rakah or four rakah did I sit for tashahud or not did I they are unsure doubt a shek these are the three reasons when a person is sure that they added something that's not a part of the prayer or extra beyond what is required or they left out something that is necessary in the prayer or part of the prayer or they are in doubt about something that they have done or not done in the prayer then the shaykh finally says that sajda or sujood or sahwa it was legislated as a means of irda lirrahman wa irdaban lishaytan wa jabaran that it was a means to earn the pleasure of Ar-Rahman the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by correcting the mistakes that we made in the prayer and to be a, a source of anger and humiliation for a shaitan 
who is the one who causes us to forget or to be neglectful by whispering to us when we are in our prayers, trying to cause a defect or a shortcoming in our prayer, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of his mercy legislated such the sahwa so that even when shaitan was able to successfully confuse us or to make us neglectful or unmindful in the prayer, we have a way to correct it and then he is humiliated and defeated through means of sujood as sahwa And finally, the third objective of sajda sahwa is to correct the shortcoming or defect that has happened in our prayer. This issue of sajda as sujood as sahwa is one of the issues of fiqh about which there is great difference of opinion amongst the scholars. And actually it is a source of great confusion for many people. And one of the contemporary scholars, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen, wrote a book, a risala concerning sujood sahwa, and in that book, in the introduction, he said, the thing that caused him to write it, and this book was written maybe 20 or 25 years ago, he said the thing that encouraged him to write this book was because of the fact that many Muslims are unaware of the rules and regulations governing sujood sahwa. And it is a necessary knowledge that every Muslim needs because in our prayers we are bound at some time or another to add or to leave off or to become forgetful in the prayer and we need to know how to correct it and even more so those who lead the people in prayers, the Imams. So he said he wrote this book so that people would know so that they wouldn't leave off making sujood as sahwa when it was necessary or so that they wouldn't make it at a time when it's not necessary thinking that it's necessary and it's not also that they wouldn't make it in the wrong place because such the sahwa can be made in two ways either before the taslim or after the taslim and he said some people make it before the taslim at the time when it's supposed to be after and some people make it after the taslim at the time when it's supposed to be before so for this reason and for others he said that he felt that it was a necessity to write this small essay to explain the basic rules basic rules concerning sujood as sahwa uh, we have two hadith under this chapter, Sujood and Sahwa, but there are many other hadith, there are a number of other hadith, four main hadith that most of the scholars mention, two of them are mentioned here, two of them are in reference to the performance of Sujood and Sahwa before the Taslim, and two of them are in reference to the Sajda or Sujood as Sahwa ba'adid after the Taslim. Here, the Shaykh mentions two of those hadith only one concerning Sujood as Sahwa before and one concerning the Sujood as Sahwa after. The first hadith is concerning the performance of Sujood as Sahwa after the Taslim. Yani, that after the person ends the prayer by saying Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah then they make two prostrations that are called sujood as sahwa uh, before that perhaps I should uh, mention uh, in one of the essays concerning this one of the scholars uh, mentioned concerning sujood as sahwa uh, a small chapter in which he mentioned a description 
a description of Sifa, Sujood, and Sahwa. He says that it is that the person while sitting makes takbir, Allahu Akbar. Then they prostrate. Then they make takbir, Allahu Akbar. And they rise up from the prostration, sitting back up. Then they make takbir again, and they make the second prostration. Then they make takbir again, and they rise up from the prostration, and then they make kasleem. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. This is the description of sujood as sahwa that a person should make takbir and prostration, then they should make takbir and rise up from the prostration, then make takbir and prostrate again, then make takbir and rise up, and then make taslim. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. As for the, the supplication that should be made in sujood as sahwa he said that a person may supplicate with whatever one wills based on the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam وَأَمَّا السُّجُودِ فَاجْتَهِدُوا فِي الدُّعَاءِ فَقَمِنَا أَنْ مُسْتَجَابَ لَكُمْ That as for a sujood, what should be done in, in sujood? A person should make ijtihad in making supplication as much as they can and it is expected that their supplications would be answered and in ruku, what is legislated from the sunnah in ruku is to praise Allah and glorify Allah. And in sajda, what is legislated is to make supplication to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a person may supplicate with whatever they like, as the Prophet said, make ijtihad in making supplication as much as you can in sujood, and it is expected that your supplication would be answered. Also he said that it is mustahab that the person should face the qibla. Uh, if that sujood was after the taslim, but if it was before the taslim, you would already be facing the qibla. But if the person got up and then someone told them that they made an error and then they went to make the sajda sahwa, then perhaps they wouldn't be facing the qibla. So it is mustahab that the person, if they made sujood as sahwa after the taslim, that they should return their face towards the qibla. Uh, and this is based on the hadith reported by Imam Muslim on the authority of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. He said that the Prophet sallallahu propped up his feet and then he faced the qibla. Then he faced the qibla. But if the sujood was before the taslim, then it was like the rest of the parts of the salat, yani that person is expected to already be facing the qibla. As for the tashahud, the tashahud uh, that we find many of the people reciting the tashahud after the two prostrations of sujood as sahwa before making taslim, he says here that it has been narrated in some hadith that the tashahud should be recited in the sujood as sahwa and those narrations or that there is a narration whose isnad appears to be sahih it appears to be authentic and it is reported in the sunnah of Abu Dawood the sunnah of Tirmidhi who said that it was Hassan and Al-Hakim who said that it was Sahih and Ibn Hibban and this, all, all of this is mentioned in a research in Nadal Alta by Al-Iman Al-Shawkani in volume 3 page 149 in any case after checking the issue more thoroughly it was found that 
many of the great scholars of hadith, the hafaz of hadith, declared that hadith to be da'if because it was narrated through different narrations from Imran ibn Hussein radiallahu anhu and they said that the narrations which do not mention at tashahud they are the more authentic narration and in that case if there is two hadith or one hadith that came with two chains of narrators both of them appearing to be authentic but one of them is stronger than the other and there is a contradiction between the two then the one that is stronger is taken to be authentic and the one that is weaker with, which contradicts the stronger one is rejected uh, and it is called shaz shaz it means a hadith that appears to be authentic but it contradicts a more authentic chain of narrators so that's what I wanted to mention as far as the introduction then the hadith that are mentioned here in the book the first hadith is hadith number 101 and that is the hadith on the authority of Muhammad ibn Sirin on the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu qal salla bina rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ihda salatay al-ashi that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam let us in prayer in one of the two prayers of the day that is the dhuha or asa prayer one of them uh, in one of the narrations in Al-Bukhari, in the hadith of Imran ibn Hussein, it is mentioned that he was certain that that prayer was the Asr. In any case, Ibn Sirin, one of the scholars of the Tabi'in, Muhammad ibn Sirin, rahimahullah, he said, Sammaha Abu Huraira, walakin nafitu ana. That Abu Huraira, when he heard the hadith from him, he mentioned which of those two prayers it was. But Muhammad ibn Sirin, the reporter from Abu Huraira, he said, I forgot which one did he mention. Was it Zohar or Asr? In any case, the performance of Zohar and Asr are the same. They're both four Akah and the recitation of Quran is inaudible in both of them likewise. Qala fasalla bina rakataini. The Prophet prayed, let us in prayer of two Rakah. Thumma sallam. Then he made tasleem. He, he prayed two rakah for Zohar Asr. He wasn't traveling. He prayed two rakah and then he finished the prayer making Taslim. فَقَامَ إِلَىٰ خَشَبٍ مَعْرُوضَةٍ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ فَاتَّكَأَ عَلَيْهَا كَأَنَّهُ غَدْبَانٍ وَوَضَعَ يَدَهُ الْيُمَّةِ عَلَىٰ الْيُسْرَىٰ وَشَبَّكَ بَيْنَ أَصَابِعِهِ وَخَرَجَتْ السَّرْعَانِ مِنْ أَبْوَابِ الْمَسْجِدِ he said that the Prophet ﷺ led us in prayer, in the prayer of Turaqa, and then made Tasleem, and then he stood up. And he leaned on a piece of wood that was in the masjid, yani lengthwise, horizontal, he leaned on that piece of wood, uh, and it appeared as though he was angry or troubled about something. And he put his right hand on his left hand, and then he joined his fingers together, like this, in this manner, putting the fingers together, and at that time, while this was happening, as-sara'an, the people who usually leave the masjid quickly, quickly exited from the doors of the masjid. And this is a blameworthy description, that some of the people leave the masjid quickly. We come late and then we leave quickly. 
those people, there were some people even at that time, they used to pray and immediately after the prayer, they would rush out of the masjid. So they rushed out of the masjid, فَقَالُوا أَقُصِرَتْ الصَّلَاةِ They said, has the prayer been shortened? They know it's supposed to be four rakah. What happened? Has the prayer, has revelation come shortening the prayer? وَفِي الْقَوْمِ أَبُوْ بَكْرٍ وَعُمَرٍ فَهَابَا أَنْ يُكَلِّمَاهُمْ Amongst those people who were praying behind the Prophet on that occasion was Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhu. And they, out of their love and great respect for the Prophet they were afraid to speak to him. They were hesitant to ask him what has happened. فَفِي قَوْمٍ رَجُلٌ فِي يَدَيْهِ طُولٌ يُقَالُ لَهُ But there was amongst the people a man who had long arms and he was known as Zulyadain the one who has long arms فَقَالَ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أَنَسِيتَ أَنْ قُسِرَتْ الصَّلَاةِ Then he said, O Messenger of Allah have you forgotten or has the prayer been shortened? Yani, did you forget to make the whole prayer? Or has revelation come and the prayer been shortened? Which one? Either you forgot or the revelation came. Uh, the Prophet said, فَقَالَ لَمْ أَنْسَ وَلَمْ تُقْصَرْ He said, I haven't forgotten. Nor has the prayer been shortened. And neither of them. I haven't forgotten and the prayer has not been shortened. And he was unaware that he had performed the prayers only two rakah. The prayer had not been shortened. And he was under the impression that he had completed the prayer. So he said, I have not forgotten. Nor has the prayer been shortened. فَقَالَ أَكَمَا يَقُولُ ذُلْيَدَيْنِ يعني In some of the narrations of the hadith it said that أَنَّ ذَلْيَدَيْنِ قَالَ لَهُ بَلْ نَفِيتِ يعني At that point when the Prophet said that I have not forgotten nor has the prayer been shortened in some of the narrations it's reported that that man Zul Yadain radiallahu anhu said then in fact you have forgotten yani, I don't know which one was it revelation came or you forgot but when you said there was no revelation came then I'm sure you forgot because you only prayed to rakah so it's clear so he said bel nasit then in fact you have forgotten and then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said akama yaqulu Zul Yadain he said to the people is it as he said yani, has, has something really happened have I really forgotten is it so قَالُوا نَعَمْ The people said it is so. As he said it is so. فَتَقَدَّمَ فَصَلَّى مَا تَرَقَ ثُمَّ سَلَّمَ Then the Prophet stepped forward in front of the people and he prayed that which remained of the prayer, the two remaining rakah, and then he made taslim. He prayed the two remaining rakah and then he made taslim, which is the second taslim because he made one when he thought the prayer was finished after two rakah and now he made another taslim after the two rakah which he had left out that means he added something to the prayer that's not a part of it ثُمَّ كَبَّرَ then he made takbir وَسَجَدَ مِثْلَ سُجُودِهِ أَوْ أَتْوَلْ then he made takbir Allahu Akbar and prostrated like his normal prostration or even longer يعني like the way he normally prostrated in the prayer or even longer ثُمَّ رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ فَكَبَّرَ Then he raised up his head and said Allahu Akbar ثُمَّ كَبَّرَ Then he made takbir again وَسَجَدَ مِثْلَ سُجُودِهِ أَوْ أَتْوَرَ He made takbir again and made the second sajda and it was like his normal prostration or longer ثُمَّ رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ وَكَبَّرَ Then he raised up his head the second time saying Allahu Akbar فَرُبَّمَا سَأَلُوهُ 
And perhaps the people asked the narrator, Imran ibn Hussein, they asked him, Summa Sallama, yani when he stood up the second time, or when he sat up the second time, did he make taslim? And yani after the two prostrations, sujood al sahwa, fa nubi'tu anna Imran ibn Hussein qala, then the reporter of the hadith, that is Muhammad ibn Sirin, said that it, he was reminded that Imran ibn Hussein radiallahu anhu, who he heard the hadith from, that he did in fact, that he did in fact say that the Prophet then made taslim. Yeah, and he made taslim after two rakah, and then he completed the prayer when he was informed of it, and made taslim again at the end of the prayer. Then he made sajda sahwa after the taslim, and after those two prostrations, sujood al-sahwa, he made taslim again. Taslim for the sujood al-sahwa. So this is an example of a case in which the Prophet ﷺ made sujood al-sahwa after the taslim. After the taslim. And this, as many of the scholars said, it is due to the fact that he added something to the prayer that is not from it. What did he add? He added extra taslim. Extra Taslim, because he made Taslim in the middle of the prayer, after two rakah, and then the Taslim that is normally part of the prayer at the end of the four rakah. Uh, there is another hadith, the hadith of Abdul ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, in which is reported that the Prophet added a rakah to the prayer. He prayed the prayers five rakah, and he was informed of it, so he made sujood al-sahwa also, after the taslim at the end of the prayer. He made sujood al-sahwa also after. These two hadith are the proofs or part of the proofs that the scholars use to say that whenever something is added to the prayer that is not a part of it, the sujood al-sahwa should be made after the taslim. Whenever there is something added to the prayer, then make the sujood al-sahwa outside of the prayer. Because something was added to the prayer, so the correction, something was added to it that's not part of the prayer normally, so the correction for it should also be outside of the prayer, and after the taslim. Whereas when there is a short shortening in the prayer, then the sujood al-sahwa should be made before the taslim, because there was something shortened from the prayer, so when it is corrected, then the sujood al-sahwa should also be made within the bounds of the prayer, because something was left out, what is then added to correct it is actually part of the prayer, it's not extra. So therefore, in this case, they said that when anything is added to the prayer, the sujood al-sahwa should be made after the taslim, and when anything is left out of the prayer, the sujood al-sahwa should be made before the taslim. Anyway, there's the hadith concerning this, we will discuss it further. The shaykh here says that concerning this hadith, the general meaning of the hadith, that Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu narrates that the Prophet prayed with his companions either Salat al-Zuhr or Salat al-Asr. And the more correct opinion, inshallah, is that it's Salat al-Asr. In any case, he prayed with them two rakah, the first two rakah of the prayer, and then he made taslim. Since the Prophet was the personality that he was, a Prophet and Messenger of Allah, and the last and the greatest of the Prophets and Messengers, and he had reached the highest stage of nearness to Allah and perfection in his ibadah, his inner self was not at peace or tranquil except when he performed his worship perfectly. So even though he was unaware that he had shortened the prayer, when he got out of the prayer he felt something was wrong. That's why he stood against the wood in the masjid with his hands together 
looking angry because he was troubled, something was wrong, but he didn't know what it was. He felt that there was some defect or shortcoming, but he didn't know what was the cause of it. Then he stood up and stood against the wood in the masjid, uh, feeling or showing an expression of worriedness, and he joined his fingers together, uh, which was an, an indication that he was feeling something was incomplete. The people who leave from the masjid quickly, left quickly from the doors of the masjid, uh, and they began to say to one another that about this thing that happened. Yani the shortening of the prayer. They, it was as though they considered that since he was the messenger of Allah, that it's not possible that he can forget or make a mistake. Therefore they just assumed, khalas, the prayer has been shortened. They left from the masjid and they were on their way. Uh, none of them had the, yani, none of them were encouraged to and he opened up this topic and to ask him about the topic even though it was a very important topic including Abu Bakr and Umar who was amongst him but they weren't yeah, anxious to discuss with him yeah, and he has something actually happened has the prayer been sure no is it forgetfulness except that there was one of the companions of the Prophet known as Dil Yadain uh, he broke the silence and he asked the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi O Messenger of Allah have you forgotten or has the prayer been shortened the Prophet ﷺ, based on what he thought, he said, I have neither forgotten nor has the prayer been shortened. And yani not realizing that he had, in fact, made the prayer short. At that time, when Dhul knew for sure that the prayer had been shortened, uh, knew for sure that it had not been shortened, then he was certain that, in fact, the cause was forgetfulness. Because the Prophet ﷺ only prayed two rakah. So he had forgotten. Therefore he said, in fact, you have forgotten. The Prophet ﷺ, wanted to be sure about what Dhul Yadain was saying so he asked the people is it so and is it so as what, what he is saying and the people responded confirming what Dhul Yadain had said <coughs> that the Prophet ﷺ hadn't prayed to Raka'ah of the prayer so they said yes it is so at that point the Prophet ﷺ, uh, prayed the two Raka'ah which he had left off from the prayer uh, and then he made Tashahud Tashahud of the two rakah that are part of the prayer. Not extra tashahud, but the tashahud that is recited in the fourth rakah of the Doha Asr prayer. He made tashahud and then he made taslim. Then he said Allahu Akbar while he was sitting and he made sajda. Like the sajda in the prayer or longer, he raised the said saying Allahu Akbar. Then he made takbir and made sajda. Like the sajda of the prayer or longer, then he raised the said saying Allahu Akbar. Then he made taslim. وَلَمْ يَتَشَهَّدْ And he didn't make tashahud. يعني tashahud for the two raka'ah or the two sajjahs of sujood and sahwa he didn't. But the tashahud that he made was the tashahud of the two raka'ah that he left off. Here the shaykh mentions a long point of difference of opinion. Uh, يعني for the sake of time, I think it's better that we skip it for the sake of time and also for the sake of not making confusion in the issue of sujood and sahwa. But rather than to go through this long any point of difference of opinion, I felt that it was better to look at some of the sayings of the scholars concerning sujood al-sahwa and the other hadith uh, which يعني, are related to this topic. So inshallah, perhaps when we finish these two hadith, we'll mention some of the other hadith related to sujood al-sahwa and some of the sayings of the scholars. From this hadith, the shaykh mentions a number of points that are derived from this hadith. 
the ahkam that are derived from this hadith. The first is the permissibility that it is possible that even the Prophet in their actions that they can forget. They can forget and be unconscious and make an error in their actions. But Allah doesn't leave them in the error but He corrects them. As for their sayings or their speech in calling the people to Allah and delivering the revelation and the laws of Allah then there's no room for the prophets to make any mistake in that. And this is something that some of the scholars said is by consensus or ijma' that the scholars, that the prophets do not make any mistake in their speech in delivering the message, the revelation or the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but it's possible that they may make a mistake due to forgetfulness uh, in their actions except that Allah would correct it and not leave them on that mistake. The second point is that there are many wisdoms or secrets which are based upon or that are related to this uh, forgetfulness and from amongst them is the clarification of the Sharia to make known what the people are legislated to do in such a case and also to lighten the worry of those people of the Ummah, the Muslims uh, who, who in the course of their life will be forgetful on occasion or make some errors then it will not be something heavy or a burden for them and also to clarify that the prophets are human beings and that it is permissible for them just like as it is for others to uh, suffer from some forgetfulness in their actions but not in their speech of delivering the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the third point he said that uh, going out of the salat or leaving the prayer before it is complete while thinking that one has completed the prayer uh, that if a person thinks that they have completed the prayer and therefore they make taslim and leave from the prayer that this doesn't uh, cut the, pl- the prayer off completely it does not cut the prayer off completely but in fact when the person is made to know that they have left off something from the prayer it's permissible for them to go back and complete from where they left off and it's not necessary to start the prayer over again as the Prophet didn't pray for Akka when he was told but he went back and continued and completed the prayer which he had begun and which he had come out of without completing it yani to make up the defect in the prayer it is permissible also <coughs> that speaking during the course of the salat by someone who does, who does so forgetfully yani unknowingly, unconsciously if someone speaks during the salat it doesn't, it does not invalidate the salat Contrary to the opinion of some of the scholars who said that if somebody speaks with any speech during the prayer that's not a part of the prayer and the prayer becomes invalid. And the proof against them is in this hadith since Dhul-Yadain radiallahu anhu and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and even some of the people who were present when he asked them is it as he said they answered all of them were in the prayer because they hadn't completed the prayer and all of them spoke and they returned to complete their prayer and there was no defect in the prayer by doing so. So this is a proof that if a person speaks unconsciously, unknowingly or forgetfully during the prayer, outside of the words that are part of the prayer, it doesn't invalidate the salat. The salat is still correct and acceptable. Uh, also that it is correct and acceptable for a person to complete what they have left off from the prayer. Yeah, I need to 
build on what they have done already. If they prayed two rakah or three rakah, and then they were informed that you didn't complete the prayer, to go back and make the remaining rakah, this is acceptable even if the space of time between the leaving from the prayer and coming back to it, even if it's a long time. Some scholars said, if it's a short time, two or three minutes or five minutes or something like that, there's no harm. But if it's a long time, then the person uh, cannot return to the prayer, but should make it over again. Allahu alam about this, there doesn't appear to be any proof for either of those opinions. But uh, certainly, if it's a short amount of time, then it's acceptable. As the Prophet stood there for some time, the people spoke to him, he spoke back and forth, and finally he went back to the prayer. So for sure, a short amount of time doesn't invalidate the salat, and the person may return to it and complete it. Uh, also, he says here that um, number six, that some movement, other than those movements that are part of the salat, it doesn't invalidate the salat, even if there are many movements if it was done due to forgetfulness or due, or due to ignorance. And if the person made some movements in the prayer that are not a part of the movements of the prayer, but they did it due to forgetfulness or unmindfulness or due to ignorance of the fact that those movements are not a part of the prayer, it does not invalidate the prayer as they did so. They all, some of them got up, some of them walked out. The Prophet ﷺ got up and walked to the side of the masjid, stood there for some time, talk to Vulyadain, talk to the people, and then he returned to the prayer. And all of that movement didn't invalidate his salat, nor the salat of the people who also, uh, some of them got up and went out and came back. <clears throat> Number seven, that it is obligatory to make two prostrations for sahu. For anyone who has been neglectful or unmindful or made any mistake in their prayer, whether it was by adding something to the prayer that's not a part of it, or leaving something out of the prayer, that is not a part of it uh, in order to correct that mistake and, and also to humiliate and to defeat the shaitan then these two prostrations sujood as sahwa are obligatory number eight that if a person made more than one mistake in the prayer that requires sujood as sahwa then there is no need to make sujood as sahwa more than one time and if a person made two errors they left out something and they left out something else or they added something and they forgot something it is sufficient to make sujood as sahwa one time no matter how many mistakes the person made in the prayer so the Prophet <coughs> added something in this case in this prayer he added a taslim uh, and he also made another mistake that is that he completed the prayer as two rakah before he was reminded and went back and there are other hadith which indicate that he made yeah, I mean that more than one thing happened in the prayer and still he only made said sujood al-sahwa one time. Number nine, <coughs> that sujood al-sahwa in this hadith is indicated that it is performed after the taslim, after saying assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. And that is if the person made taslim while uh, having some uh, defect in the prayer 
or having some defect in the prayer when the sajda sahwa should be made after a taslim. And in other cases he said that it should be made before taslim and this is the madhab of uh, Imam Ahmed rahimahullah. And he says here that this madhab يعني sometimes making the sajda sahwa before and sometimes after combines the various evidences or the various hadith in which it's authentically reported that sometimes the Prophet ﷺ made it before and sometimes he made it after. As opposed to those who say that sujood al-sahwa is always made after the taslim. And this is the madhab of the Hanafiya. Or those who say that sujood al-sahwa is always made before the taslim. And this is the madhab of the Shafi'iya. But Actually, the correct opinion is that sometimes it's before and sometimes it's after, as it happened in the lifetime of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There's another opinion concerning whether or not the original ruling is that the sujood al-sahwa is before the taslim or after the taslim. Uh, here, the Shaykh says that the original ruling, except in those cases which are indicated except in those cases which are indicated that it is after in all other cases it should be before but there is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that some of the scholars used to say that the original ruling in sujood al-sahwa is that it should be after the taslim except in those cases which are specifically mentioned in the hadith that the Prophet ﷺ did it before in other cases it should be after and this is based on the hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ is reported by Thawban anhu in the hadith that's reported in the Sunan of Ibn Majah and the Musnad of Imam Ahmed and that hadith has been declared to be Hassan Lighayhi and it's a good and acceptable hadith in that hadith the Prophet ﷺ said في كل سحو سجدتان that for every sahu or forgetfulness or mistake it is required to make two prostrations بعد ما يسلم يعني after you make taslim so the original ruling is that sajda sahwa is after the taslim except in the cases that are mentioned in the sunnah as being before also the shaykh says here that as-sahu that the mistake of the imam is passed on to the, those who are following him Because whatever shortcoming is in the prayer of the Imam, it also is a shortcoming in the prayer of the people, therefore they are also required to make sajda sahwa. Uh, yani there is no blame on the people for the mistake of the Imam, but in terms of the correction and fixing and rectification of the prayer, they are also required along with the Imam to make sajda sahwa. As for the tashahud, after sajda al-sahwa, the shaykh says that Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah said concerning the recitation of tashahud after the taslim and after the two prostrations of sujood al-sahwa he said that there isn't anything in the sayings of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which ordered the people to make a tashahud after the sujood of sahu. And there isn't anything of the Prophet ﷺ that orders the people to make tashahud 
nor is there any authentic hadith that has been accepted by the scholars of hadith in which it is reported that one should make a tashahud after the two prostrations of sujood al sahwa There is no authentic hadith concerning such. And if there was such a hadith, then the companions would have mentioned it, just as they mentioned the tashahud in the prayer, in the second rakah or in the last rakah. The basis of those who say that tashahud should be recited after the two prostrations of sujood al sahwa is the hadith of Imran ibn Hussain radiallahu anhu and that hadith is gharib that is it didn't come from an authentic chain of narrators it came from a single narration or at some point in the isna there was only a single report of that hadith is called gharib and it wasn't followed or supported by other narrations which may have raised it up to being considered as hasan or a good hadith therefore he said that that hadith should be considered weak and it should not be used as a proof for the recitation of tashahud. And as we mentioned in the introduction, some of the scholars such as Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajj Al-Asqalani in his book, The Explanation of Sahih Al-Bukhari, he mentioned a long discussion concerning the hadith of Imran Ibn Hussein and the recitation of tashahud and he said in that discussion that that hadith is shaz and it's a hadith that appears to be authentic but it is not so. So we should يعني, not base our opinion or our position in the recitation of tashahud after the two prostrations of sahu. We should not base it on this hadith which is not considered by the majority of the scholars to be sahih. Uh, the second hadith which is a short hadith concerning sujood as sahu is hadith number 102. The hadith of Abdullah ibn Buhayna radiallahu anhu and he was وَكَانَ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ He was one of the companions. He said, أَنَّ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ صَلَّى بِهِمْ الظُّهْرِ That the Prophet ﷺ led them in the Zuhr prayer. فَقَامَ فِي الرَّكَعَتَيْنِ الْأُولَيَيْنِ Then he stood up after performing two raka وَلَمْ يَجْلِسْ He stood up after performing two raka without sitting, without sitting for tashahud in the second raka. But he stood up for the third raka. فَقَامَ النَّاسِ مَعَهُ Then the people stood up with him حَتَّى إِذَا قَضَى الصَّلَاةِ وَانْتَظَرَ النَّاسِ تَسْلِيمَهُ كَبَّرَ وَهُوَ جَالِسٌ Then when he was finished from the prayer and the people were waiting for him to make taslim they were waiting for him to say Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah after four rakah instead of making taslim he said Allahu Akbar while he was still sitting فَسَجَدَ سَجْدَتَيْنِ قَبْلَهُ and Yusallam Thumma Sallama Then he said Allahu Akbar and he prostrated two prostrations before making the Taslim to get out of the prayer and they were waiting for him to make Taslim but instead he said Allahu Akbar and made two prostrations and Allahu Akbar he prostrated he got up, he prostrated, he got up again Thumma Sallama then he made the Taslim to get out of the prayer and this Taslim was the Taslim of the prayer itself because here in this case he made the Sujood Sahwa before Taslim. This is an example of the Sujood Sahwa being performed before Taslim. And that is due to what? Due to a shortcoming in the prayer. We said that if something was added to the prayer, it's made after the Taslim. But when something is short, left out of the prayer, such as in this case he left out the sitting for Tashahud and, and he left out the recitation of Tashahud, both of them. By leaving them out, it was a short, shortening in the prayer. Therefore, he made the sujood as-sahwa before his taslim. 
the general meaning of this hadith, the Shaykh says that the Prophet ﷺ led his companions in the prayer of Zuhur and when he prayed two, the first two rakah, he stood up and he didn't sit for the first tashahud. The people who were behind him followed him. In that, they also stood up without sitting for tashahud. Until when he uh, prayed the, the next two rakah to end the prayer, when he prayed those last two rakah to end the prayer, uh, he sat to recite Tashahud al-Akhir, the second Tashahud that's recited in the last rakah. And when he finished from it, the people were waiting for him to make Taslim, he made Takbir while he was sitting, and he made Sajda, two prostrations before he made Taslim. And those two prostrations were similar to the prostrations that he made normally in the prayer when he made the Taslim. And also it is recorded in authentic hadith, uh, in another narration of this hadith, it's authentically reported that the Prophet, or oh, he mentions this in the, no, he mentions this in the ahkam derived from the hadith. Okay. Uh, here, from this hadith, he mentions seven points. The first of them is the obligation of making sujood as fahwa for whoever has forgotten or made any mistake in the prayer, such as leaving tashahud al-awwal, the first tashahud. And somebody who has left something out of the prayer, then it is obligatory to make sujood al-sahwa. Number two, that tashahud al-awwal, the first tashahud, he says is not a rukun of the prayer, and if it was a rukun, then that defect in the prayer would not have been corrected or rectified simply by making sajda sahwa, but he should have went back and performed the rukun of the prayer. We said that the rukun of the prayer are those things which the prayer cannot be complete without them. Whereas the faraid or the wajibat of the prayer are those things which are obligatory, but if you left them out you can make up for it by doing something else. In the case of the uh, prayer you make up for it by the sahwa. Uh, in any case, the tashahr al-awwal, some of the scholars held that it was Sunnah, as we discussed in our second uh, session of, uh, of this uh, book of Salat, and some held that it was Fard, and the most correct opinion is that it's Fard, and there are a number of evidences for that, but there's no time to mention them all now, we discussed it previously. So in any case, he said here that, uh, that the Shahid al-Awwal is not a rukun of the prayer, is it? Huh? Okay. Number three, he says that... <coughs> that if anybody makes more than one sahu or error or forgetfulness in the prayer, it is sufficient to make two prostrations one time and not to repeat them for each mistake as the Prophet ﷺ here left off the sitting for tashahud and he also left off the recitation of tashahud and these are two separate aspects of the prayer. The sitting for tashahud is a rukun and the recitation of tashahud is one of the obligatory wajibat of the prayer. Both of them he left out and he only made Sujood al-Sahwa, one time, yeah, any two prostrations. Sujood al-Sahwa are two prostrations. Now, huh? Can you hold your question until we finish to make sure we finish? Inshallah, if you won't forget it. If you forget it, you can ask him now. Few points remaining. Also, point number four is the importance of following the Imam since the Prophet ﷺ agreed with what they have done in following him and in leaving off the sitting while they knew that he had forgotten it. He forgot, but the people knew that he had 
left off the sitting, and the proof of that is the narration of Imam al-Nasai in Sunan and in the Sahih ibn Khuzayma and the Mustabzak of Hakam, where it's mentioned in the hadith that فَسَبَّعُوا بِهِ فَمَضَى حَتَّى فَرَغَ مِنْ صَلَاتِهِ That the people started saying, Subhanallah, Subhanallah, when he stood up. Meaning that they recognized that he was supposed to sit, but he continued until he finished from the prayer. But he realized at that point, after he had stood up, that he had made a mistake, but instead if you stood up completely, he said what? That you should not sit back down, but you should go on with the prayer. Had he realized when he first began to stand up before he was halfway up, then he could have returned to the position. But by the time they informed him or brought it to his attention, he was always standing, so he continued until the end of the prayer. And then at the time of Taslim, when they were waiting for him to say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, he made the two prostrations of Sahu. This hadith is a proof that the people realized it was a mistake, yet they followed him in his mistake. And this is a proof of the importance of following the Imam uh, in the Salat and not deviating with him. Point number five, that the forgetfulness of the Imam is passed on to those who are following him uh, because they left the tashahud intentionally, knowing that they were supposed to. He left it by mistake, forgetfully. But they left it knowing it. They were aware that, it, that he was making a mistake, but they followed him. But in their case, the, forget, the, the forgetfulness of the Prophet ﷺ is passed on to them as though it is forgetfulness. Not as though it's intentionally. Because if somebody intentionally left off a part of the prayer, then that means the prayer became invalid. But in this case, the in this case it is considered as forgetfulness because the forgetfulness of the Imam is passed on, the ruling of it is passed on to the followers. Uh, and point number six, that the prostration in this condition, in the case where uh, something has been left out of the prayer, it should be performed before the Imam makes Taslim. Yani before the Taslim, the sujood of sahawat should be performed in this case where something has been left out of the regular part of the prayer. And the last point that the Shaykh mentions, uh, that the Taslim should immediately follow the two prostrations of forgetfulness. Yani immediately after making those prostrations, the person should make the Taslim saying Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah without any delay or without any yani time between them. There's no time or any need to recite the tashahud, nor to make any dua, but the way of the Prophet ﷺ in this case was immediately, as recorded in a number of hadith, immediately after making the two prostrations that he made the tasneem, without any delay. These are the points that the Shaykh mentioned, uh, and this is the end of what we wanted to mention today. If there are any uh, comments or corrections or questions, then we may take them now. First we'll start with the questions of the sisters. During the Sajda, the Prophet said that when anyone is in sujood, fajtahid fi ad-du'a, it is open to make supplication. In the ruku, the Prophet said that what is done in ruku is glorification, praise of Allah or glorification of Allah, and in the Sajda, supplication, ad-du'a, whatever du'a. There is no specific du'a mentioned for the sujood sahwa. But as the person should make ijtihad yani as much as they can with the best supplications that came to their mind. If the mistake happened to miss if if the mistake happened to miss the first tashahud instead of the person standing up for the third qiyam, 
Then during the Qiyam, he immediately remembered it. Can it be corrected by sitting down in order to say, in order to say the first tashahud? Yani, as we discussed this previously, when we dealt with the issue of tashahud and the difference of opinion concerning whether or not a tashahud is sunnah in the prayer or whether it's a wajib of the prayer and so on, we said, as it was reported in the hadith, that if the person began to st- stand up, before standing up completely, if they realize their mistake, they may return to perform the tashahud. But if they had stood up, as happened in the case of the Prophet ﷺ, that when the people brought it to his attention, they said, Subhanallah, Subhanallah, he was always standing up. Then he didn't return to recite the tashahud, but he continued in the, in the prayer until the end at the point of taslim. At that point, instead of making the taslim, he made the sujood, a sahwa, and then the taslim to end the prayer. So if the person realized before they stood up, they may sit and recite the tashahud, and if they didn't realize until they were standing up straight, then they should continue the prayer and make sujood a sahwa. Okay, there's one other question from the sisters. <clears throat> Is there any supplication to be said during the two sajda? The question was already asked by our brother, Ta'ani. The supplication, the normal supplications that you say in sujood, it is preferably those supplications uh, from the Prophet ﷺ that he said in sajda, or any supplication that the person wants to make from their self in their own words, whether asking for the things of this world or the things of the next life. It is permissible uh, in supplication and it is also permissible in the sujood al-sahwa. Subhanallah. The men, the men in the prayer when we are following the Imam, if there's any mistake from the Imam, the men they should make tasbih. The women's voice shouldn't be heard. Therefore, the women they may clap their hands to bring to the attention of the Imam that there is a mistake. The men should say Subhanallah. The women they may merely clap their hands. I don't understand. And some people, if the Imam is standing up, they say Allahu Akbar, and if he is sitting, they say. Mm-hmm. They say Allahu Akbar. They say Subhanallah. I don't know about this at all, but in any case, if they said Allahu Akbar when the Imam is standing up, we are sure that this is wrong. Because Al-Imam al-Nasai in his Sunni narrated the hadith that the Prophet ﷺ was standing up after he made two prostrations or two raka'ah of the prayer. He stood up and the people realized that he was supposed to sit and they said Subhanallah. They said Subhanallah. So where are we to say Allahu Akbar when the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they said SubhanAllah and he agreed with what they did. He didn't correct them later and said well, if the Imam is standing say Allahu Akbar. Then we say SubhanAllah. This is what is known. This is what is known. I don't know about any... Uh, yani, hey. Now, 
We don't uh, want to make guesses about these things, but we try to say what is found and what is reported authentically in the incidents that took place in the time of the Prophet or if there is some ijtihad uh, from the scholars and concerning such matters, then we may report or transmit what they have said. But as far as uh, my own, in my own reading, I didn't see that the scholars in the earlier generations of the Muslims uh, in the books of hadith who discuss such things I didn't find that they I didn't myself come across any mention of this point that if the women are separated by a barrier and they are unaware of what is happening what they should do Allahu Alam. it happened so many times it happened this year in Ramadan in one of the big masjids here in Doha no in any case, this is another issue, brother. It is another issue that... Um, do they continue on their own, or do they, what do they do? Because it's... No, Allahu I'm not mujtahid uh, to make ishtihad in these matters. Allah knows that. But in any case, one of the things that yani, we should consider here is that although uh, it is... Um, and the masjids have been separated in the way that they have been separated, the barriers between the men and the women, although it has been done, uh, inshallah, for a benefit, يعني, for a benefit, there is a reason why they have done so, but actually, in the time of the Prophet there was no barrier or separation in the masjid and Nabawi and Medina, there was no separation or any barrier or wall or curtain or screen between the men and the women. In which case, if such a thing had happened in their time, then the women also would have been aware and would have been, would have been able to see and to know what had happened. Uh, so, يعني, the only thing we can say is that perhaps these barriers or whatever يعني, structures of the masjid that we have today, which, which created this new problem, perhaps there is some benefit from it, but there is also some harm from it. On all of the masjids basically now, almost everywhere. Now. And, masjid, and the masjid in Medina, there are barriers. There are barriers. The women cannot see the prayer. There are barriers. Now, the separate entrance, of course, it is good. There is a maslaha, there is a reason for this, and it is based on the sunnah, because Abdullah ibn Umar reported that the Prophet that in the time of the Prophet وسلم, uh, he said, or Umar, it's reported in some of the narrations that Umar, and he said in some of the narrations that his son Abdullah said, that if there was, if there had been a door for the women, yani suggesting that it was a good thing if there was a door for the women, and then later it was created, there was a door made, and that door is remaining, or the place of that door is remaining in the masjid in Medina until today, where that door was later established. 
so it was a suggestion yani, in the time of the Prophet وسلم, that it would be good if there was a door for the women so that there wouldn't be intermingling and mixing between the men and the women and this is also proven in the hadith where Al-Zuhri uh, mentioned he was one of the great scholars of the Tabi'een he mentioned that the reason why the men used to remain sitting in the Salat after the prayer was to give the women a chance to leave the masjid so that the men and women wouldn't be mixing together in the streets and in the time of the Prophet it's reported authentically that the men used to sit they used to remain in their place for some time to give the women a chance to leave from the masjid so that they wouldn't be mixing between them so this is also a good thing uh, that its intention inshallah is to prevent the intermingling or mixing between the men and the women uh, I think maybe there's only a few moments remaining uh, and the event has already been called so if there are no other comments or questions inshallah perhaps in the next uh, class we will uh, just discuss a few points remaining that we didn't complete concerning uh, sujood al-sahwa and then we will go on to the next uh, topic uh, of uh, salat al-witr inshallah subhanak allahumma wa bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu يسعدك استيلاف الأرناف الإسلامية أن تتشرف بلقائكم من سلسلة أجمل التلاوات قراءة